Welcome back, everybody, to Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. We are back here for the spring semester of the year. My name is Andy McDonald, and I will be your host. And across from me is Evan Petzold. He's my co-host. Evan, how are we doing today? Doing good. You know, it's nice to be back after uh, a really great Christmas break, but it's always fun to, to come back in here, get behind the mic, and talk sports again. Yeah, definitely miss doing this. Elena will not be with us today. Uh, Elena has, she, uh, she still has some personal issues going on, but she says she will be back next week. So you're going to have to deal with just the two of us uh, rattling off our opinions here over a very uh, busy, busy break of uh, sports. There's a lot to talk about and a lot to catch up on. That's what a lot of today's show will be is recapping uh, most of the stuff. So we'll get you into that. Um, We'll start with the Detroit Lions here. Um, First off, I mean, end of the season kind of pathetic, to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, a team that really had a shot to make the playoffs. And, I mean, yeah, sure, they beat Green Bay to end the year. And – everything but the loss of the Bengals was just another example of this Lions team over the past few years not being able to get the job done when they need to get wins um at that point you know Atlanta did lose the game so it was still like the Lions were going to be alive for a playoff hope going the final week obviously it wouldn't have mattered because Atlanta won their way in the final week either way even if the Lions were to have won out but nevertheless it was a chance the Lions have something they go play a team like the Bengals who ended up being like the like the team that messed everything up for people in the playoffs at the end of the season. They ended up having a couple of good games there. But nevertheless, it's a game the Lions should have won. They end up losing the road 26-17, and they had a you know moral victory over Green Bay at the end of the season. It was their first time sweeping them in forever. So I guess if you want to look at it as a Lions fan and be happy about that, sure. But at the end of the day, Jim Caldwell ended up getting uh, getting ran out of a job. Um, I think I think a lot of people in Detroit are kind of like iffy on it right now, Not not really sure what to feel because – this guy had a winning record, and with the win over Green Bay, it gave him the highest winning percentage out of any coach in like the Super Bowl era for the Lions. So it's it's kind of like you know a bittersweet feeling. You're like you know maybe maybe we're gonna move past this now and get somebody better, but did we really have maybe the best guy that Detroit's had for a while? Were we supposed to get rid of him, Evan? What are your feelings, I guess, on Jim Caldwell right now? It's definitely interesting because I I do see how, uh, in one side of things, you know people can be upset and then people can be. You know, happy that that he's he's moving on, but I think when push comes to shove, he really ha- hasn't had much to show in Detroit over his four years, except for critical games lost and a lot of opportunities blown uh, for for this team. I, I think when you look back at it and and you see other coaches, yeah, they struggled, but Caldwell comes in here, and I think that I, I think he was almost kind of uh, kind of the bridge to to get them where they need to be. Now they need a new guy to come in, and they need someone to step up and and take them the rest of the way. And I think that at Caldwell, he was he was really just good for for that bridge. That that's all he was good for. And, and you know, I guess if, if that's what you want to say, his job was to bridge the gap. He did it, and he did he did a pretty good job in bridging the gap. But just wasn't able to to come up as a coach. Uh, wasn't able to come up clutch in, in in the times when you needed him to. Yeah, I think when Bob Quinn came in, I think it was kind of like he didn't. I don't think he really ever liked him that much from the start. I don't think it was ever his coaching style or his kind mm-hmm. of coach. I think what you said was exactly right, just kind of keeping them to get through what they had to get through. And now when you have a – I mean, this year was kind of like his opportunity to say, if I get this team back to the playoffs, you, you can't get rid of me. I mean, if they would have fired him at that point, that would have been absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But when he had a chance against the Vikings earlier this season on Thanksgiving to get a win and stay in the division race, lost that, pretty much essentially put him out of that. And then when they had a chance at the end of the season to still stay alive and make the playoffs possibly as a wild card, lost the game against a team that was at the time, you know, like 5-9, and nine, I believe is what the record was at the time. So – that that's like things that are unacceptable that keep occurring under Caldwell. How much of it is his fault? I don't really know, and I I don't think that I blame all that much of it on him. 
I think a lot of it is that the fact that they've never really had a running back since he's been there. Uh-huh. I don't think they've ever had a running back that's good enough to get through. When they draft linemen, they either get hurt or they don't turn out to be as mm-hmm. good as they are, and they haven't had good protection from Matthew Stafford. I think that's a lot of the issue and why they can't win big games. I don't think it's as much of him. Now, granted, he's had his questionable calls, and sometimes it seemed to be very conservative in a lot of games when he should be trying maybe a little bit harder. It, the play calling doesn't make that much sense, but how much of that is his coordinators or not him, I don't really know. Well, here's my thing. I think with, with Jim Caldwell, you, you, you ask around the league, you look at him, and his, you, you listen to his press conferences, you talk to people around him, you talk to players. Everybody likes Jim Caldwell. I mean, as a guy, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't have any. Oh, any he's haters. well respected in the NFL. But 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 sometimes I think that might be the problem, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look you look at Bill Belichick. He can get he can get snippy sometimes. Vince Lombardi back with Green Bay. You know, he he was kind of the more aggressive kind of coach. And I think, yeah, like it's it's sometimes it's not fun to play for that kind of coach. But what do those coaches normally do? They win, win games. games. And, and so it's not all fun anymore. Exactly. In the NFL. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, it's a business, right? Yeah. And sometimes you have to you have to do what you have to do to to win games and. And to be successful, I think Caldwell was almost just just too nice. He was a people pleaser. He liked to uh, to please everybody, and and in reality, you can't do that. And you can't do that if you want to win games. So I think I think moving forward, just somebody that is more more aggressive, more up tempo, more upbeat. Somebody that's that's not afraid to to snap back at reporters if they want. I know it's not always the the most fun thing for for you and I as reporters, yeah. but <laughs> but whatever. I mean that that that's life, right? I yeah. mean that that's how people work. And I think sometimes you try to sugarcoat things too much. I mean that that kind of does show on the field a little bit as it as it did for Caldwell. I think I I agree with that 100. That's I think that was a lot of the reason everyone. I think when you talk to the players too, everyone liked him and said that he was you know like a players coach. Mm-hmm. You know who was the same guy in Detroit that had that issue for another team in Detroit? Brad Osmus. Mm-hmm. Same issue. Everybody in Detroit Everybody thought that it was the same him. way. It was that it was that every single player that played for him loved him and defended him because he was a, a coach's a co- or a player's coach, and that doesn't always mean that they're going to win, and it sure didn't work for them either. Now, granted, I mean, Caldwell did have a winning record at in Detroit. He didn't have a losing record or anything like that. But the problem is this team has had enough talent on it for the past few years in certain position with some star players. And, I mean, shoot, they have the highest-paid player at the most important position in all of sports in, in the NFL. If you can't win and make playoffs of that, it's probably time for you to leave town. For me, I still, like, am up and down with it. I really don't know because I don't know what they're going to replace him with. you got to show me something mm-hmm. that is at least proven that they can win or something like that to be able to replace him because if you don't, show that it's to me you got rid of somebody you had that was winning games because I, I, I just don't know how much of all of it you could blame on him but if they were just bringing somebody that's a no name or a new coach or someone that's trying to get into head coaching mm-hmm. I don't know if it's gonna be the best decision well here's the thing looking at the lines going forward right now you know signs are kind of pointing to New England defensive coordinator Matt Patricia he's the guy that, that's an interesting that, one, that they're kind of looking at but you know he hasn't been a head coach but you know he, he's he is with the Patriots yeah exactly so and it makes sense when he has Quinn, the winning from... he, he has the winning mentality mm-hmm Maybe not as he doesn't have the you know the head coaching pass that the Lions would like, but I mean he's definitely an interesting uh, interesting guy, defensive just, just some kind guy. of experience that shows they might be able to win. Mm-hmm. And anybody that's on the Patriots coaching staff has obviously won games, so that wouldn't be too terrible. I mean, hey, all this talk about Bill Belichick leaving right now. I mean, maybe he could just come to Detroit and move a point, right? So he can win with anybody. Oh, what a dream that would be. <laughs> what a dream that would maybe be. Maybe they could win some games that way, and that would help out. But that'll never happen. But anyways, I mean. I guess what is what do you what do you think? Okay, if getting away from coaching, what does this team need to do next year to improve? What's where, where are the biggest areas? I think it's I think it's obvious that they need a running back. Oh yeah. But outside of that, where where do they need to improve? I mean, I think just as far as the offensive line goes, like like you mentioned, you know, they get injured or you know they don't produce um, as much as kind of we always expect going into the season. A lot of people look at the Lions and think, okay, like yeah, they got a solid offensive line, but then you you step back as the season goes on and you realize that. They're really not 
you know, do, doing as much of a good job as, as they should. So, I mean, I think it, it, go, it goes on Bob Quinn. He's got to draft a running back and um, also may, maybe an offensive lineman or or get somebody through a trade or, or a dealer free agency. So, somehow, um, you, know, you get somebody on the offensive line, uh, maybe not even a, a first-string guy, a, a couple second-string guys that are able to step up mm-hmm. and be big for them, but then also running back, of course, that, that's the biggest one. I think last year they had a shot to get LeGarrette Blunt towards mm-hmm. the start of the season. They passed that up, didn't sign him. There's a lot of talks about him possibly going there. That's the kind of guy that could help, but really I just think what the Lions need to do, like not necessarily him, but someone of that stature if you're talking about free agency. I think the Lions need to do, like if, if you're Bob Quinn you're thinking to yourself, we're, we got to win now. we got to win with Matt Stafford while he's still in his prime and he's not too old or some injury happens and pretty much pushes him to the bottom part of his career because that, that's coming at some point mm-hmm. here in the next few years. Like I mean, maybe it'll be three, four more years, but at some point it's going to come. I think right now you got to go out and get a running back in the first round or something and finally just do that because what you can do and look back at the Lions drafts from previous years is they always go out and get a running back, but the highest they go is the second or third round every time. Is never a guy that's going to be a for sure turnout in the NFL. It's always someone that could be there. Java Best is a perfect example of it. Never worked out. Reggie Bush is a free agent signing that they wanted to just put everything on him. He was a bust after half a season. And Amir Abdullah has never been able to stay healthy and never been able to hold on the ball enough mm-hmm. to be able to be the guy that can be their running back. So they need to go out there. And there's, there's going to be a, a good amount of running backs in this NFL draft this year. I think it's important that the Lions, whatever pick they have, I would use that first-round pick on the on a running back. And I know yeah, some all day. People, I know some people will call me crazy for it and say the line needs it, whatever. If you keep trying to rebuild that line and that one lineman doesn't turn out, I think your odds are better of getting a really good running back that can break some tackles and actually be a playmaker compared to building up that line over the next few seasons. Because if you if you keep doing that, at some point, some of these other guys' other positions are going to go away and you're not going to have the same stature of talent. And, and here's my thing. If you want to go out with your first-round draft pick and get an offensive lineman, go ahead. You can do that. But but you better make sure that you get a really good running back in free agency and you, exactly. and you get somebody. So you have to go into the mindset of, of really knowing what you're doing there. Um, either either way, vice versa. If you get a, if you get a running back first round, you better get a good uh, offensive lineman in free agency. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. If, Only time will tell. If I hear like in the offseason that Teon Green is going to be the next guy and that because he had a good end you're gonna of the lose season, it. I'm going to lose my mind. Because <laughs> that, that's the kind of stuff that they do all the time and I cannot stand it. So that that's, that's what they need to go away from. They need to just make a move and do that. But mm-hmm. I think overall we can agree it was a pretty disappointing end of the season for them, and, and every every fan there has a reason to be disappointed. I, I mean, yeah, sure, it was another winning season, but it doesn't really win mu- or mean much when you don't go to the playoffs. So, Same old Lions. I mean, yeah, back-to-back winning seasons, is, that's what everyone's going to hang their hat on. But to me, at least, as, as a sports uh, viewer, I, I don't think that that really says enough to make you a, a, a good coach and a good team. And I think that's why Caldwell is gone. So. Uh, moving on from that, another coach that's going to be in question here pretty soon if he doesn't start getting his act together in Ann Arbor. It's uh, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. I, I think watching that game, um, it, it kind of just capped off their season with an exclamation point that really explained it all. Um, they had that game in hand. Uh, they had the lead, and then they allow however many unanswered points. I forget what the exact number was. Nevertheless, they were up 19 to 19 to 3 at one point in that game. They end up losing 26 to 3. Um, Brandon Peters completely shut down in the second half, and you know the announcer on ESPN kept calling it his debut, and I really liked that because I felt like that's truly what it was. If he wanted to have a shot to compete with Shea Patterson, as long as he's approved to play and everything this year, um, Brandon Peters had a terrible debut, especially the way that he ended that game. Every Michigan fan kind of had hope throughout the season that you know he was going to be the guy. Even towards the end of the game, you know when he had a chance in the red zone to throw a touchdown, he tried to make a play and he threw a bad pick towards the end of the game. If you hold on to that ball, it's a field goal, and you're still giving yourself a better chance. It's just mistakes like that that he made throughout the game that kind of really pushed it away. And it's another, I guess you could say, big game that 
Harbaugh failed to win. And, I mean, now he's won in two in bowl games. That's another losing record you can put on him. And I think, for me, coming into the season, I project him going four. I've said it multiple times. It wasn't a surprise to me that they're at where they're at right now with eight and five. Even a bowl loss doesn't really surprise me, especially when you're on your third-string quarterback. You lose your best wide receiver, all this stuff. There's enough excuses that you can give out there, but I'm ready to start taking those away. I think that this next season has to be it for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. I don't think there's any any other time. Th- these are his guys. The Hulk era is officially gone and pushed out pretty much mm-hmm. in 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 uh, Ann Arbor. So it's it's all his guys. It's his talent. All the guys that are on the field this year that are coming back are. Pre- and now even Chase Winovich decided to not go in the NFL and come back. That is huge for Michigan. These guys are coming back with a year of experience in their belt now. As the defense, you don't even really worry about is the offense. I don't think that you know guys like Donovan Peoples Jones can't take a step back. I think that Tariq Black needs to come in and you know be a guy that can actually catch passes and run routes. All these guys are coming back for the second year. Is this the year that, you know, Jim Harbaugh has to prove it, or is it seriously time to start considering looking somewhere else? No, I mean, I, th- I think there's always um, the, the reality that you got to prove yourself. It's like like I said before about, about the NFL and the, and the Lions. It's a business mm-hmm. it, the same way. I mean, if, if you're getting paid, it's a business. And, and looking at this team, yeah, they, yeah, you know, Harbaugh does need to show something in the 2018 season. I think a lot of that rides on the shoulders of, of bringing in Shea Patterson if, if he is mm-hmm. eligible to play um, you know, as, as a transfer. But I think looking at Brandon Peters, like you said, he definitely took an L. If, if this was an audition, he, <laughs> he, he took an L. He did, without and, question. But I'll give it to Jim Harbaugh. He must have known something to bring in Shea Patterson, though. Mm-hmm. You know, may, maybe he knew deep down that yeah, Brandon was Bra- maybe Brandon that, Peters yeah. isn't 100% ready to, to yeah. take over the team. And he's always said, you know, quarterbacks need time. They need time. Well, Shea Patterson's already got time. He's he's ready. I mean, he he'll be ready to go. I think, and I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. To It'll me, be really interesting to see how how those wide receivers that now, you know, have a year under their belt, are going to respond to playing with a guy like Shea Patterson or or Brandon Peters if he somehow wins the job. But it just doesn't look look that way right now. If you're if you ask me and you look at it and their season in whole, like I don't blame the season on Jim Harbaugh. I blame it on a lot more of injuries and everything else that happened. A lot of young talent. When you lose 13 guys to the NFL draft, I think that that mm-hmm. says a lot. I think that when you lose that, it's very hard to replace. And the fact that they were still able to have a defense that was that high speaks very highly on Don Brown. But the fact that their defense is able to keep in games, they just lost too many guys on offense to be able to compete with that young of a roster on offense to win games, I think. Well, here's the problem. What they did was, I mentioned this you know a while back, but I'll bring it up again. What they did was they took a, an offense that they had last season, and, and they said, okay, you know, this is our offense with all these guys that are going to go pro, and mm-hmm. they took it and they kept the same offense. They didn't change anything. They they let these young wide receivers, quarterbacks, um, you know, you know, running backs come in. And they said, all right, well, we're going to keep the same offense, and like we're and we're just going to roll with it. But that doesn't work. Like like we we talked about it before. Oh, you got to yeah. simplify things when you have young guys out there. You got to simplify it because all the way it college football is a huge jump from from high school, and and even going to the NFL after that is another big jump. So it's a big difference. It's a big transition, and you got to simplify things. And that's what Michigan didn't do. A lot of that on on Tim Drevno. I think he did a did a poor job um, with his play calling. Uh, that's that's just me and my opinion. He did, but I think all season. I think I'm sure it, you. I'm sure I, you agree, I, I right? Think I think it's everybody agrees. Yeah. I think that most people didn't agree with Michigan's play calling. Period. Because when they tried to throw downfield and do all these yeah. different route these these ten yard out routes and stuff, it just bugged me. I'm like, why? And then you see him do a simple route, and, the, and it's a complete play, and it goes for you know however many yards after the catch. That's what made me so mad all season was watching that kind of stuff happen because it's just mm-hmm. like you know how can you stand it? But I mean everybody's just gonna look at it and say you know oh Michigan fans just make excuses and this and that and whatever else. It's really not that. I mean I I I think 
myself and most people didn't expect Michigan to be some college football playoff team this year. Like everyone else, you know, oh, Harbaugh still hasn't done it. This year he's got his guys coming in and everything else. So at least for me, I don't think there's any more excuses. This is the year that he's got to be competing for by the end of the season. If not the playoff, he has to be competing for a Big Ten championship. And, I mean, it's going to start off hard for him. He's got Notre Dame right out the Mm -hmm. gate. He's got Western Michigan. I mean, those are those are two teams that you know have had success here in the in the previous few years. So I mean, there's a chance that it could be a really rough year for Michigan. Exactly, like a really rough year. When you have to go to East Lansing and to Columbus to play games too, mm-hmm. it's not going to be an easy season. But these guys have all got experience down the road. They've all seen tough environments. There's not going to be a lot of freshmen starting on this team next year. Is what I'm trying to say. And really, the only huge loss that I can even name on Michigan's team right now is Maurice Hurst. Yeah, I can't think of an. I mean, you could say Mike McCray, but I don't really think so. I no. think I think he was pretty slow at times and really struggled to play in a fast. Well, yeah, he was slow when they had him on like Saquon that. Barkley. In yeah, the, that, yeah, I, I made sure to point that out because that was just terrible. That's the, that was the one complaint I had on Dodd Brown all year was yeah. that that matchup that was horrible. But I think that this is got to be the year for them. I don't know if you disagree with me. No, anyway, I'm 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 with you on that. It's 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 got to be. If you had to give a winner loss of what you know, Michigan fans should be satisfied with next year. What would you say? I mean, I, I really think you're talking about looking Barring at next, injuries. They're just the team they are right now going in, and they stay for the majority because obviously there's going to be injuries. But all the key players in their team stay healthy. What what record should this team have next year? I mean, first thing is you, you got to win your bowl game once once you get in. I, I don't I don't really know about about record because they they do have some really tough games, and I, I want to see where where Michigan is. You know, once they once they start practicing with these guys, I want to see where Shea Patterson's at before I can give a give a record. But is, yeah. I mean, no matter where no matter where you end up going with your quarterback, I mean, you got to win your bowl game, especially if it's against a team like South Carolina, which they definitely should have beaten. Yeah. Um, you know, you you got to beat Michigan or Ohio Michigan State, excuse me, or, or Ohio State next year. That that's a must. That's what I'm saying. That's, so that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give it a, a they got to be this record, but you definitely got to beat one of the two, Michigan State or Ohio State. And if you make a bowl game, you better win it. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that next year, if you're more than a two loss team, I think it's a I think it's a dud. I think they have so much talent coming back, and I think with Shea Patterson, even if it is Brandon Peters a quarterback, it's too much talent around him to keep beating around the bush. And I I don't want to see a three loss season again or four loss season, and that's just not making progress. And he's got all of his guys now. It really blows my mind because you see Brandon Peters go out and he's he's twenty for forty four. 186 yards, two interceptions, right? 44 passes. Yeah, that's I a lot. The craziest part. And, yeah. and the thing was, though, I mean, I, I was hearing from him at practice, you know, the weeks before that he was just dominating in practice, and he was he was going off, and he was he was competing like crazy. And I and I I, I was told that when Shea Patterson came to watch, he lit it up, and he had his best practice of his entire career at Michigan. But mm-hmm. but w- when does that pan out on the field? That's my question. Yeah, no, I mean exactly. I mean. It, it, I mean, granted, what I will say is, is now he's going to have a whole summer to work with guys. Whoever the starting quarterback is, is going to have time to actually have routes. Mm-hmm. What what this game looked like to me in Michigan, South Carolina, was the same team you saw all year. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous because they had three weeks to prepare for it and get route and gets timing down and everything. It just looked like a lot of the same stuff, the same mistakes, the same like nothing new, no, no progress being made. Just yep. the, just the same flat line of a, a team that can put together a few points, but when the when the you know it comes down to crunch time, they have to make plays. Michigan couldn't do it again. They lost the game. So that's what has to change this year, no matter what for me. No matter who is playing at quarterback or uh-huh. whatever, I think they have to start winning some of those games regardless. It was it was definitely a, a step in the wrong direction for Michigan this year. But Michigan State, though, they had a step in the right direction. Yeah, and then Man, that's, they, they, really, they really brought the heat this year. That is where we are going now with Michigan State, and I, I think that's a, that's a great transition. I, you know, everyone made the jokes coming into the year, 3-9, and nine, whatever. 
you know, as long as the Michigan game starts between Michigan, Michigan State game starts between three and nine was the, the biggest joke I heard all offseason. They shut everybody up and got a double digit win season in a, a year that no one really expected them to do that. I'm not gonna like try to sugarcoat it and like act like uh, the game, the bowl game they played in was a good game because they played against a team that didn't even have their starting quarterback. So they mm-hmm. played a backup quarterback as a starting quarterback wanted to sit. So it was kind of a joke. Michigan State got a free win in that bowl game to be completely honest. But all season they proved time and time again that they can be that good team. Ohio State was like the one really big, you know, like mess up they had where they got blown out. But but every team has one of those for the for the most yeah, part. Yeah, exactly. I mean, unless, unless you're one of the elite. I the mean, the Big Ten happens. this year as a whole had that happen to them. Time. Yep. I mean, look at Penn State. They clocked Michigan, and I mean, okay, you can say what you want about Michigan losing all those those big games, but they were in all the big games they played in mm-hmm. besides Penn State. Yep. Like Penn State punched them in the mouth. Then you go look at Penn State the next week. They get they get beat two straight weeks. And look at look at uh, Iowa and Ohio State. Oh, exactly. Right? It was all year. There was something like that in the Big Ten. None of these teams were good to play, play good enough to play in the playoff. That's why I'm glad Ohio State didn't make the playoff because mm-hmm. I don't think that they were even close to being good enough to make it if it's a four team playoff. But what we are talking about right now is Michigan State, and I think what I want to know at least from you is, you know, obviously Mark D'Antonio comes back and gets this win. I think it reassured their entire fan base that he's the guy. There's no doubt this is going to be our coach until he retires mm-hmm. or chooses to leave. I don't think there's any question about that anymore. Is there any chance that this team digresses next year, or are they just going to keep getting better, keep reloading, getting better? No way. I I, I don't think so. Brian Lewerke, um, you just from really watching him over the year, he, he got more and more impressive and, mm-hmm. and better to watch the way that he can do it with his feet and his arm. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that you're going to look towards going forward as just being the star of the team. You know, yeah. he, he is that go-to guy. Someone that they really haven't had at quarterback um, in the past couple of years is that go-to guy. And Lewerke now, after proving himself this season, steps into the, the go-to guy. Like, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm your guy week in and week out no matter what. And, and I think, you know, their, their run game's good. Their receiver cores are, corps are really good. Yeah. I, I just think this is going to be a, a good-look team for the future. I mean, yeah, you look at it up and down. Brian Lewerke's coming back. That's your, that's your position at quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's obviously showed that he can do it. In the bowl game, went 13 for 21, 213 yards, three TDs. Scott's coming back next year, only a junior. Holmes behind him, still coming back next year. Felton Davis looks like, mm-hmm. I mean, came out of nowhere this year. But it seems like Michigan State always finds that kind of receiver. He's coming back next year. Their entire offense is basically just coming back, yeah. and they're not going to lose anybody. So, I mean, the only guy well, the only guy they're really, they're really losing is Hunter Ryzen, yeah. the, the wide receiver, but... I mean, but he's their only. He was their only real key player. They're losing. Yeah, I know. And that's it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, you can look at both teams in the state right now and say pretty much mm-hmm. everyone that they had that was any good is coming back, which makes for a really good matchup. It will be a very good rivalry really game next year. I, I'm already excited for that one without question. But at the end of the day, I mean, I, I think that you know D'Antonio Reeves certified himself for sure this year, and I think that this team is going to keep getting better as, as time goes along because now they're in a position where they had a season like this. Recruits are going to want to come in and play for them. I think more after seeing that, seeing that they, you mm-hmm. know. It wasn't just a, a stretch of years that Michigan State could be good. After, you know, a 3-9 and season might have been kind of like a, oh, my gosh, like, you know, what happened? Now they see this happen again. They see all the young talent still there. You got you got to think to yourself, man, if we go play for a team like this, you know, we're going to we're gonna probably be a part of something that's going to be pretty good for a long time still. It still blows my mind how he takes these three-star prospects or whatever you want to call them and, and turns them into guys that, that can play ball. It, it's really impressive to to see how he does that. He's a he's a great coach. He, oh yeah. He's got he's got things under control in East Lansing. I don't think that's gonna. I don't think that that is a question to anybody anymore. And I think that any question that anybody had of him, you know, not being the guy, definitely is answered now. Um, I guess next year, you know, looking looking forward to their season, is it uh, is it a Big Ten championship team? Is it a team that can legitimately win a Big Ten championship, or is is there another favorite? Because I would almost put Michigan State. As the favorite to win the Big Ten next year, and that and that side, I think Ohio State is losing a lot of people. 
I don't think I, I think that Ohio State might be one of the teams fighting for a, the, the second or third spot. To be completely honest, I, I think that Michigan State might be that top team. Yeah, I mean, unless I, you're putting someone else ahead of them. Maybe. No, I mean, I mean, they're bringing back pr- pretty much. You're bringing back your best wide receiver, um, you know, your quarterback, and then your best running back. It, and and it's not like it's Michigan where they're young guys. And, yeah. Yeah, Tariq Black's coming back, and yes, he he was the best receiver before he got hurt, and he's coming yeah. back. And Brandon Peters w- was the best quarterback left because he was really the only one to play besides besides John O'Corn. Mm-hmm. And and then you know you got your running backs coming back from Michigan, but but as far as as far as Michigan State goes, they're bringing back guys that that have really already emerged as as stars in the Big Ten, and that's what really impresses uh, impresses me about them. So yeah, I mean I, I I do see them as a potential Big Ten champ. I, I mean I, I think it's definitely possible. I think it's I think that they're right there. I think that you know maybe Penn State would still be a team that could compete with them next year. I don't know it. That side of the division is always up and down. Mm-hmm. It's going to be there, but I right now, if if this is way too early predictions, but right now, if I had to predict it, I would put Michigan State at the top of that division. I think they're going to be a team playing for the, the, yeah. the champion. I mean, unless someone can knock them off, obviously like a Michigan or an Ohio State, those would be the two teams that are right well, there. Yeah. I truly believe in my heart that next year Michigan is going to be a good team. You know, I didn't say that when we were talking about them. I truly believe that next year Michigan will be a team that is competing for the Big Ten title. So I think it's going to be between Michigan, Michigan State, and obviously Ohio State's always there. Mm-hmm. Xavier Myers, a coach. So they will be there to play against them, but I think that I think that Michigan State's my favorite right now to win the Big Ten. No Rutgers? No, no, not that <laughs> quite. I, I can't I can't give them enough. So uh yeah, uh, Rutgers, I don't I think that they should maybe reconsider looking into a different conference <laughs> to play some football in. So yeah, oh, Rutgers, no, they're not gonna be my top pick. But I will put Michigan State there right now. Um and we'll we'll obviously talk about that more as maybe toward, at the end of the year. That's probably gonna wrap it up for the most part for us for college football for the year. It was definitely an up year for the Spartans. Michigan, down here, got to fix some things in Ann Arbor, keep things the same in East Lansing. So from that, we move on to uh, the other two sports that go on in those cities with college basketball because, I mean, yeah, I didn't want to overload the whole Michigan-Michigan State thing this week, but I think it's it has to be talked about when we when we do talk about it in the show because Michigan has a huge week this week, and Michigan State just had a loss that no one expected mm-hmm. to happen. So And it's Michigan-Michigan State week for basketball. It is so for basketball, so it's the big gotta week. Got to bring it up. I will be there on Saturday to cover that one, so I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. It'll be my first time ever going to the Breslin Center, so we'll see how that goes. But it's huge week for Michigan. I don't think they, I don't think that you can under or overstate it. You look at their non-conference schedule, you look at this team, you say, 14-3, and three, how are they not ranked yet? How are they not a team that you know is in the top 25? It's because they haven't beat a, a team that's actually ranked yeah. yet. And, and, the, and the loss to Ohio State, now all of a sudden doesn't look that bad. Everyone in the beginning of the season was like, oh, my gosh, you blew an 18-point lead to a team that's probably going to finish in the bottom half of the Big Ten. Ohio State looks like a team that actually might be towards the upper half of the Big Ten now with what they did the other day and what they were able to do to Michigan. Um, yeah, looking at it up and down, I mean, they had the the win, the wins against, you know, UCLA, Texas. Those are two good wins, that, but they're both bubble teams. They're teams that are right there in the, the same kind. I mean, Michigan's in the tournament right now if it were to start today. Yeah. But there are two bubble teams that, you know, that they're good wins against good programs, teams that will get wins this year. Sometimes because they're supposed to be the only game that they really, you know, had, they ended up making the score look more respectable than it was. But it was against North Carolina where they kind of just got flattened or whatever. This week, you got a chance against two top five opponents now, with Purdue getting bumped up as far as they did, with everybody losing this week, and they play them uh, tonight. We're recording the show tonight, so obviously, you know, whatever happens will happen tonight. But they also go to Michigan State, which we'll talk more about here in a minute. Um, with those two getting together, you know, how I, I don't, I don't think it really is a question about how big is this week for Michigan, but you know, 
is this kind of the week that defines their season? And if not, you know, what what, what else is there? <laughs> yeah, this could go one or two ways. Really good or really bad yeah. <laughs> uh, for Michigan. Well, it could be mediocre. I mean, I mean, I guess if you split, though, that's still really good. It, oh, yeah, that's I mean, that's all Michigan needs to do this week. I think if you're, split. Okay, if you're a Michigan fan, you know, of course, or a Michigan State fan, you obviously want to get the win over your rival. But at the end of the day, if you're actually looking at it in legitimate like tournament standards and where Michigan needs to be, if they can be either one of these teams this week, that's the one you put in your re- your re- record. And from yeah. there on out, you're pretty much just playing for whatever you can win. Because if, if I think if Michigan wins a game this week, they're already going to be at 15 wins, and they're probably going to get at least 22-23. They're in the NCAA tournament. Get a win this week, you're there. But the Michigan-Michigan State game means a little bit more this year because for whatever reason, of course, the Big Ten only the has only them one. playing one time this year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that is now changing for the protected rivalries next year, but I think you know this week one win does enough for you. Oh, yeah. But how big is how big is it to win two or to lose both? I mean, if, I mean, if you lose both, it really depends on you know the outcome, the final score of the game, how, how things look. I mean, if you lose two really close games, it says that you can hang with these kind of teams, and then you know you can get your your second chance against Purdue on the road uh, later in January. But really, what it comes down to is if you do win both, I mean, it's a, it's a statement for Michigan basketball. It, it proves that that this team has something really a good lot. going, and and I really do think a lot of it's going to come down to to how the freshmen play and how the how the freshmen shoot. I know you know you've been you've been to Chrysler a few times to to watch them and and you know the, the freshmen they they really they really play well um together you know you see pool tossing alley oops yeah. to, to livers and all that kind it was of quite stuff quite the sight on saturday it's, man I, it's unreal people were really getting into it there and it, it was kind of like in the first half you were like man is michigan really going to lose this game right now to an illinois team that hasn't even won a game in conference after michigan goes on the road and lights it up against a team like uh, iowa who's not very good but it was on the road in the big 10 and they you know that's, that's a place that was a house of horrors for michigan mm-hmm. over the previous few years that win was the first win they've gotten against iowa since 2014 First win in Iowa since 2011. So, I mean, it can't be overstated. They've had struggles there. They came out and played well, and they start so slow. Livers and Poole were the two guys that came in and kind of, you know, answered some questions for what Michigan has on depth. It was so encouraging. You know, Beeline, when he was asked about it after the game, couldn't even ignore it. You know, he had they, they kept asking, you know, you know, is it encouraging? You know, how much does it mean? He eventually got to it and was just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is encouraging to finally see something come off the bench pretty much mm-hmm. because other than John Teske, they haven't really had a guy off the bench that's been that good this year. I mean, it's just been a – bunch of point guards rotating but that doesn't really count you're just trying to find your starter there who is now Xavier Simpson mind you that guy is playing a lot better than I think people thought it's really weird because you know he was the guy then he wasn't the guy Jaron Simmons never became the guy that everyone thought he was going to be <laughs> and now all of a sudden Xavier Simpson's played himself back into a starting role so it's just been a crazy carousel there but it's just different this year from teams in the past because you've had guys like Trey Burke and Derek Walton that were the best point guard in your team the best you know player in your team essentially and now it's not like that anymore. Charles Matthews is the guy, and Mo Wagner is the guy. Those those are your two best players in your team. I mean, I mean, with Wagner though, I mean, have you have you seen the stardom that we expected? This is his week, and I was that, just going to bring that yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> but it makes it makes me think though. I mean, you go up against Purdue, you know, you're going up against Isaac Haas, seven two, and his backup two ninety seven foot three. Yeah, his backup seven three. <laughs> so I mean, I, I I almost wonder if almost exclusively for that Purdue matchup. I mean, maybe do you go? Do you go John Teske? Not not to start, but do you go play. John Teske he's early? Play. I mean, no matter what, they're going to get him in there. I don't know how many minutes he'll play. Probably but just... you think he'll play more minutes though, knowing that they might need a bigger guy. I mean, they're going to gonna, they're gonna play Wagner as much as they possibly can because Wagner's just simply mm-hmm. the best player they have on the floor. I don't think that Beeline's going to go away from him. But Teske's definitely going to get time because I don't think it's. I mean, what they did on Saturday against Illinois, they simply cannot do tonight. Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman, 
Matthews and Wagner all had two fouls within the first ten minutes of the first half. Yeah, that simply cannot happen tonight. And if it does again, I I, I see Wagner getting into foul trouble. To be honest, I, I, I see I see I, I, I see it happening again. I see Isaac Haas eating up Mo Wagner. That's a, yeah, I, no, I don't think that's a bold de- take, but on defense, I don't think it's going to be that way. But you know, it's how much they can match on offense. Uh-huh. Michigan's going to have to just pretty much stop their half court offense and keep the game moving a little bit quicker, so they can't use those post up moves as much. That's what Michigan has to do tonight, and that that's going to start with Xavier Simpson. He's going to be able to have to push the point. Get them moving in transition and be able to get some buckets that way. Because if they don't do that, it's going to be it's going to be rough for Michigan all night, just getting eaten alive in the post. There's no way they can compete with that size. John Teske simply isn't good enough. I mean, he mm-hmm. he's shown moments this year. He's been really good, and he's shown a lot of moments where he's just not ready yet. So that it, it's going to be on Mo Wagner to come out of his shell this week and kind of play good. It's not he had that injury happen to his ankle, and you know, Beeline keeps saying he's still trying to get fully back. This is the week where whether you're playing through pain or whatever it is, this is where you 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 know kind of show yourself. And I think. You know, what really you're going to find out this week is is you can ask right now and say, you know, what is Michigan's basketball team? You can look back in the past few years, you can say, they're a point guard-led team. This is Trey Burke's team. You could look back last year and you could say, this is Derek Walton's team. He called the team meeting after the Illinois game last year when they were called white collar and turned them around and made him a completely better team. Now it's this season and you look at it and you say, yeah, okay, Duncan Robinson's your captain. He's not going to talk. He's mm-hmm. not going to be that guy. Rockman's your captain. He's not going to talk. He's not going to be like that. They're not. They're not so much of vocal leaders. Never really have been. Now I don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but I can say what I've seen. You know, in person and on the court, they're not that. They're not really that kind of a guy. Wagner, sure, he's a very vocal guy, but is he the? Is he? You know, he's a. He's a junior. Is he? He's only really played for two years. Is he going to be the guy that's going to call a meeting? No, probably not. Some who's going to be that guy for Michigan? You really don't know what their identity is yet, and and that's that's kind of where this team's at right now. And I think this week is going to say a lot about well, it. Well, it's almost like you don't really know who your identity is, and maybe who the real who, who the guy that's going to pick the you know pick the team up. You don't really know that until things crash and burn pretty bad. That's what I'm saying. That, that's the thing. So. I mean, it's gonna, I mean, that's going to happen this gonna, week. It's going to happen. Michigan is going to fall behind to some of these teams at some yeah. point this week. It's not going to. They're going to have stretches where Purdue's going to put up points on them or come back. Maybe, maybe Michigan will start out tonight. You know, five for seven from the three point line. They build one of these big leads, but Purdue's going to come back. They're going to make it a game, mm-hmm. and that's where it's going to be. What guy's going to step up and be loud in that huddle? What guy is going to pull people aside and make a statement? If Michigan goes and gets blown out tonight, how are they going to recap and you know get themselves together? Who's going to be that player leader? Because Beeline can do all of that he can, but really it means a lot more when it comes from a player. You can see that at any team in the past. Yeah. It, it when when your own peers are saying something to you, it can change things. And it, and on the road in the Breslin, that place is going to be rocking on Saturday. That is a mad Michigan State team after the loss they just took. It is not going to be easy for Michigan to even go in there and make it a game. Mm-hmm. I think that they will, but I think I don't think it's going to be easy for them to go in there and make it a game. There's going to be points they're going to fall behind that game probably by double digits, and someone's going to have to say something if they want to make it a game and you know maybe walk out of there with a win. So how do you see these two games playing out for Michigan? If you had to, to project, I'm not going to ask you for score, but just as far as you know, you know, win win loss go, you think they they split? I think that Michigan definitely splits this week. I think mm-hmm. this team has only gotten better, you know, game by game, and I think that they're at the point now where they're going to get that big win. I think they have enough confidence. I think it's going to be tonight. If it is going to be a win, I think it's going to be against Purdue. I just at the Breslin Center. Yeah, not gonna it's happen. It's almost impossible for any team to go in there and get a win, and especially when it's your rival, it's gonna be very hard. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, they could easily sneak out of there with a win. They could sneak out of there with a last second bucket or something like that. Because I think that Michigan will definitely make it a game. I mean, but it's gonna be a game. If it, if they're gonna make it a game, though, it's gonna be a game yeah, to the wire yeah, to the very gonna, end. It's gonna be like a last minute win where you know maybe that maybe they'll have a lead if you know a minute left by like four or five points and they end up making them foul, or maybe it is one of those games where it comes down the last you know a couple mm-hmm. of shots, but. It's not going to be a game Michigan's going to walk in there and get a win. I don't think they are going to get a win in East Lansing. I think that it's just key for them to be able to get a win against, I think a good week for Michigan, a really, really good week, 
is to get the win against Purdue. Because I mean, this is where you know everyone's gonna say, "Oh, well, the Michigan State basketball is just that much better than Michigan basketball." That it's just different levels right now. Michigan State is simply the best team that Tom has ever had before the NCAA tournament. I think, in my opinion, like before March starts, I have never seen this much talent on one team. That's everyone knows Michigan State's identity. It's talent, and it's not. It's not. They're they're so talented. It's you know how many games can they possibly win, or you yep. know are they gonna have a couple slip ups. That game against Ohio State could very well happen in the tournament, and all of a sudden you're not going to the Final Four like everyone projects them to do. Yeah, I mean, so. I mean, Michigan State, their their team is is driven. They're built around talent, right? But what's Michigan's team built around? Exactly. People, we don't know. You just have to find out. You have to find It's mm-hmm. going to be someone sticking up. I think a good week for Michigan this week is to beat a team like Purdue or, or Michigan State and have a good showing against the other one that they lose to. And find your identity. Exactly. And I think that they do if they get wins like that. Mm-hmm. I think that if they do, they're going to have a shot to win the Big Ten this year, to be honest. They're going to keep playing for it. They're going to be a team that's in there at the end of the year. You know, projected at the beginning of the season when I did my power rankings, I had Michigan at number four. I think they're still very well suited for that spot right now. So they're not off they're not off course, but what definitely was off course was the other night for Michigan State. And I mean we've we've obviously already kind of led into it and talked about it a little bit, but that loss was, I mean, just like where did that come from? And you know, at some point the wheels are gonna fall off a little bit. You're not gonna shoot as hot as Michigan State's been for the past mm-hmm. bunch of games. You're not gonna you're gonna find a team that can't miss a bucket. And they finally both match. I think Michigan State went seven for twenty five from like three points. They kept the problem with them was, for me, the other night, if I look at it, is they didn't go and use their hard-nosed defense. They didn't, you know, get in Ohio State's face. They kept getting punched in the mouths themselves, and they kept trying to outshoot them and outplay them that way. That wasn't the right way to go about a game. When you're struggling, you got to realize the team. And, and you, you saw it time and time again last year where they couldn't figure that out. You have to go and find, you know, a physical presence and just accept that you're not going to have the best shooting night. Yeah. You have to win in the defensive end of the floor, and they didn't do that against Ohio State. They let them take open shots, and even when they weren't taking open shots, they were falling. So when you get when your defense gets a little bit lazier and you're just trying to match them on offense, you're going to find yourself in 20-point deficits like they had for most of the game. And you're going to turn the ball over uh, a lot more than, than you're used to. They turned the ball over 12 times. Ohio mm-hmm. State only turned it over six times. And, and when Michigan State, when they when they limit the turnovers, um, they're, they're pretty unstoppable. Yeah. When they limit the turnovers, dude, you're not going to stop them. No, their defense is so good yeah. most of the season. I mean, they just it's away from the Breslin Center. Had problems with it last year. They had problems with it, you know, recently this year. Obviously, Duke was not a you know a true road game, but it was a game where it wasn't at home. They felt faltered on the stretch there. They go on the road on a Sunday against Ohio State, one of those kind of you know games where it's like Sunday night. Maybe you'll you know be a little bit lazier. You get off to a, a, a slow start, and they never were able to rebound. And they tried to just you know keep forcing offense that wasn't going to work. And they failed to use their physicality inside, which is what they can do to any team in this league if they try hard mm-hmm. enough. And you know who I'm feeling really bad for right now is is Rutgers, because <laughs> that two Michigan State they they've got them on January oh my 10th, gosh. <laughs> and they already got a look at them earlier this season. They won by 10 on the road, but this is a really this is this is they really, struggled this, against this, Rutgers. This is a pissed off Michigan State team though. Yeah, and, and they're gonna come. and They're gonna bring it. And that, I, that's my point. And that's, it's gonna be bad. That's my point though. You just and said it, just a gonna, 10 point win against Rutgers on the road. Yeah. I don't think it's any question what this team can but do. But they're going to blast them at home, though. Just oh, yeah. watch. They're they going to win by 30. They're going to probably beat Michigan by a good amount. I, I feel like that Michigan game is going to be a game that is a lot like what it was last year, where Michigan's in the game for a majority of it, hangs around that five to seven like, point like mark. Like the North Carolina game a little bit, maybe? No. For, for Michigan? I, I, don't, or, or? I, don't, I don't think Michigan's going to get smacked in the mouth like that by any means. I think they're past that point now. Okay. I think that that's every B line. Well, they, they were in it early, though. I mean, they were, oh, they were duking Carolina? Oh, yeah. yeah. They're right there with them. I'm saying but that I, th- I think Michigan takes this game to like the, the final like five minutes oh, okay. of the game. They're, you know, they're in that five to seven point range like where they're losing and they mm-hmm. can't quite get, you know, they can't get over the hump to make it a close game. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and Michigan State's going to eventually, you know, out physical them, out, you and know, then whatever, make their free throws and, and, and kind of win the game. I think that that's how it's going to go for them. But that, 
it doesn't really matter to me who they play at home. I just want to know, you know, where does this team start getting, you know, to the point where they don't lose those kind of games in the road anymore? You can't lose those kind of games. You're going to go to the NCAA tournament and you can't have those kind of breakdowns anymore. And it, it's been talked about this team since, you know, last year. They weren't mature enough to get wins. This year it appeared, you know, and it still, it still does. They only have two losses, for God's sakes. But you lose a game like that in the road and you start to question a couple of things. You have a struggle against a, a Rutgers team on the road. Well, you're mm -hmm. Michigan State and you have that team. They have so many guys that can light up the scoreboard on any given night. You simply can't struggle like that against, you know, opponents like that. And, and they did time and they've done it time and time again on the road. Where does it come from? You know, is it Izzo? Is it the players? Who has to, you know, step up and say something in these games to be able to get them to win in some of them? You know, I do I do think it is a little bit of both with, with Izzo and uh and with the players. I don't know what goes on in the locker room. Well, like you alluded to earlier with the with the Michigan thing. You know, I don't know what goes around in the locker room. I don't know what's said. I don't know who talks. I don't know who doesn't talk. But I, I do think though, you got to have the right mindset going on the road. You got to know that it's a different environment. It's not your home environment. It's it's not a place where where you feel good. You're gonna you're gonna shoot well. I know in high school playing basketball, I I never I never liked playing on the road. I like playing on the rims that I played on every day. You know, I, I enjoyed that. That was something that I I saw myself succeed um, when I played at home. Like that's just how that's just how it is. That's how it works for sports. Yeah. So I think you just got to have your team in the right mindset and kind of get them out of this. Hey, we're a really good Michigan State team and we can win on the we can win wherever we play. Whatever. You know, you got to get them out of that mindset. You got to get them into the mindset of okay, this team's coming in and they're they're gunning for us and they're trying to they're trying to beat us. So. I don't know. I think it goes both ways. If you're the coach, if you're the players, you gotta you gotta step up either way. But looking down their schedule, I'm I'm definitely excited to see them play. You know, at Iowa, that's like you said earlier, that's a hard place to play. At Indiana, that's that's a tough place to play. At Minnesota, going to play at the barn, like that's not an easy place to play. Mm. So I'm I'm excited to go see them play some of those teams later in the season, and just to kind of see where they're at on the road because, I, I mean, neutral sites, it's, it's neutral sites in the tournament. It's that's road play. I mean, it, not it's not home. So. We'll see with this team. It's definitely interesting, though. They they do have their struggles on the road. Yeah, I mean, and this is gonna be. I mean, I think the Michigan game will still be a challenge for them. And I think I don't. I mean, luckily they get it at home. Like these two games at home, right? If they get a loss like mm -hmm. that, we'll see how they're able to bounce back. But I think it's no question. Michigan State's still one of the best teams in the country, and they're probably gonna get things figured out as the season goes along here. But um, just to recap, uh, college football and kind of finish it off. The championship happened the other night between, or actually last night. Um, between Alabama and Georgia, what a, what a game it was! I mean, the first half was kind of boring, and then the second half just completely, uh, completely different. Tua, the 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 quarterback that came in there uh -huh. and played for uh, for Alabama, man, he he lit it up in the in the second half. Uh, Fourteen for twenty four, one hundred sixty six yards, three touchdowns, had the one pick, but <clears throat> I mean, man, like that that's just like where you're, you you tweeted it last night. Like that's when that's when a legend gets born right there. Oh, that, for sure. That's how you make moments, and and then Harris as well at running back. I mean, the way he was able to come in and play in the game. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, well, with Najee Harris, I mean, crazy story behind him back last year at the U.S. Uh, Army All American game. He was actually a silent commit to Michigan. I don't know if you even yeah. knew that, yep, but I but did. yeah, he was sil saw, silent I, commit to Michigan. But there's he was a lot there, of tweets about it last and night. <laughs> he was and he was rooming with Tua though, and Tua got him to kind of get back over to Bama where he was before. Yeah, and so I mean, I guess that just kind of shows it. Who was a leader on and off the field at a really young age. He's able mm -hmm. to lead his team to a national championship. And yeah, Najee Harris. I mean, the way that guy runs, he he's he's gonna plow over you. He doesn't care who's in the way. Um, de definitely impressive. And it's kind of crazy to me because you look at Najee <clears throat> Harris and you're the number one player in the 2017 class, okay? And you're a five-star prospect out of California, and you're this super big deal. And if you go to Michigan, you're probably a starter or a second string, but. 
in in their running out of their, all the running backs, he's like fourth string, fourth string five star mm-hmm. freshman. Like, come on, it's just it's just it's crazy. Unreal, it's just crazy. Dude. They to just me. reload. They don't. They, they, they don't. I know. Lose they anything. don't stop. And I mean, Jalen Hurts comes out of the game, and, and you think, you know, okay, well, what what is a backup really going to do for them? Quarterback hasn't been the strong position for Alabama. It never really is. Never. I mean, maybe AJ McCarron was decent. When but he was what there, has he done in the NFL? Yeah, exactly. Nothing. He's not. He's not good. They, they never really had that good quarterback, and then all of a sudden they're just you know going off. You know, with with this guy coming in the game, comes out of nowhere and just plays a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. Jake Fromm was really the the disappointment. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, he started so well, and then just the the two interceptions and everything, and the, and the big I, lead and and blowing it. I mean, this it was just like a team that's been in the national championship for the past bunch of years with a coach like that, and a team that hasn't won a national championship in like forty years. I, I think Tua Time got to his head a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think Tua Time got got to his head, but but I will admit though, Fromm did have a really good season though as a as a true freshman as well. He did, and, and I and think Georgia both these teams are going to be back. They're both going to be back. Yeah, both these teams are going to be back. Georgia will be a problem for a lot mm-hmm. of years to come. Now, I don't think that's a question. I think they're they are going to be a very good team in the future here, and and they really show it. And, you know, Michael are running back. You know, he's coming back too. I think Nick Chubb is finally going to get his degree. Uh, I, I tweeted out last night. I think it was his eighth year playing for uh, the Bulldogs, but I think he's finally going to get it's that like degree. Like Perry Ellis, from yeah, Kansas. yeah, dude. It's, it's like literally the same thing. He's one of those guys. I, when I saw this year that he was still playing for him, like, and I watched the first Georgia game, I probably watched all year, like five or six weeks in the year. I was like, "Are you serious, dude?" I think I was like ten when I was watching that guy <laughs> play football. But yeah, no. It, uh, nevertheless, just just pretty pretty bad play by Georgia in the game. And the field goal. I mean. They got gifted with the missed field goal. Mm, I mean, that I kicker know. absolutely choked. And then, I know. And then the craziest part was the, the sack in, in overtime. I mean, both mm-hmm. both teams had that play. I mean, from they're both freshman quarterback. They're both guys that don't have a lot of experience, don't really know what they're doing. You know, Fromm gets sacked on a play where he easily could have thrown the ball away, and instead he still just tried to hang on to it. He, got, he, he saw the guys coming after him. Why don't you just throw it away? He makes it a 51-yard field goal for the guy in overtime. You know, he ends up putting it through the uprights, and, and they stay alive, but... Then the same thing happens, and you know, you know darn well that the, the Alabama's kicker isn't about to hit a fifty-plus yard <laughs> field goal after the way that he kicked that field goal and straight away twenty-some yarder in you know in regulation to win the game. He missed it. I mean, I got to give it up to Tagovailoa though. Like yeah, his, his arm play, is unreal. His I mean, that, arm is unreal. That next play, like how does Georgia's defense just a gap that big mm-hmm. in, a, in a game like that? I mean, just a wide open seam. It was a fly route. I mean, it wasn't even that hard to defend. He just. It just burned him off the snap, one quick fake, and he's gone. I mean, that, that, that's it. It was a button hook. <laughs> it was also kind of crazy how much both teams passed the ball, knowing that they're you know running teams. They let it fly, and it, and that, that was fun to watch for for me. I know I, that was just a great national championship it's, all around. It's what can you do when the lights are on, and you know, and and, and it means the most. And I think that you know, Tua kind of proved that he's he's that guy, and it was it was a great ending of the college football season. Um, you know, Alabama already is getting ranked number one again in most of the preseason rankings Should next be. year. Do you really see, do you see anything different? Is there a team? I mean, is there a team besides Georgia that maybe could compete? I mean, I, I think as far <laughs> as starting out, you, you got to go with Alabama. They they already have. I mean, they already have their best players, and they they proved themselves in the national championship on the biggest stage. So there's no reason why they shouldn't be number one for sure. And I think that I think that this is also you know we kind of talked about expanding the playoff before you know in, in our in our last episode for the semester ended. I think this is another reason why the playoff needs to be expanded. Give more chances for maybe Alabama to find a loss because right now it seems to be. Almost kind of like the NBA, where the same teams go into the, the playoff every year and winning it. I know it's hard to get away in college football because these are just kids. These are kids that get recruited there and they just want to go play there. Mm-hmm. It's a lot different than the NBA when people are making trades to go get them and everything. But it's just so hard. And I, I you know, personally, Nick Saban, not my favorite guy, but at the end of the day, I got to respect him. I mean, this is unbelievable what he's put together at this school and been able to do. I know everyone just says, oh, it's just Alabama and that's the reason that they're able to do it. This is why they were in the playoff instead of Ohio State. This is why they win championships. They go out and make 
plays that you know no one's ever heard of. Before. There's a, there's a reason why people say oh it's Alabama. It's because mm-hmm. Nick Saban. I mean, he's, exactly. he's, a, he's a legend. He's, he is a legend. Seriously, I don't, I don't care what anybody says, and they say that all the talent just goes to Alabama no matter what. It's not true, man. At this point, when you win five championships in the last nine years. There's a reason. There is a reason for it, and it's because he's a great coach, and, he, and he's done it time and time again, and he's built a recruit, recruiting stable that's just never going to end until the guy retires. People like winning. So, exactly. And Who likes would, losing? Why wouldn't you want to go play there? I mean, you're right. going to have immediately your NFL draft stock is, you know, there. Up. So that that's where it's at. Right now, it looks like Alabama's on top of the college football universe, and it's not going to drop for a what while. What about UCF, though? National champions, they call themselves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, if they had to play against either one of these teams, they would have got flat. They would have got so that, smacked. That's, that's the same kind of thing with Western Michigan a year ago. It, all, all their fans all year were like, but, why don't we get the You know chance? what? I'm cool with expanding the playoff, though, yeah, just to see and, what they can do. Yeah, and giving them a chance. They're definitely a, chance. a team that should be in the top eight. If you're undefeated, no matter what conference you're in, you're undefeated in football. If they, and, and you if, played if they wanted in the non-conference that was decent. Yeah, and if they want to talk, though— I mean, let them play. Yeah, exactly. Let, let it, the let, boys play. Yeah, at that point, if you have it out to eight teams, that's enough to where you're not really pushing out the nas- a possible national champion. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like for a team like that, like if you were to put USF in instead of, you know, I, I think it was Miami that was ranked ninth. Yeah. I think Miami proved enough during the season, or Notre Dame, they proved enough during the season they weren't going to win the national championships. Mm-hmm. That, that's where it's okay. Four teams kind of makes it tough. You have to really go with what you think is the best in the field. It makes it harder for the guys to make decisions. I think A would be good, but that, that's besides the point. We're past that now. We'll uh, we'll finish up the show here with our stud and dud. Um, Evan, if you want to start with your stud. Yeah, so my stud, a little bit different. I'm going with a high school player, actually. <laughs> uh, Maurice Washington from Cedar Hill, Texas, uh, Trinity Christian High School. That's where he's from. He scored three touchdowns in the Under Armour All-American game. He was a guy that, you know, going into that game, uh, three-star running back prospect. Nobody really saw him as a threat to do anything. He was just kind of a guy that was a late addition to the to the Under Armour All-American game, and he kind of went off and played really well while he's the MVP of the game, and I'm just guessing a couple more offers are going to be rolling in before signing day because he's not committed, so it's a really good look for him. I'm going with Tua, Tua time. That, that, that is definitely my uh, my <laughs> start. I'm, I'm going the same way. To me, that was just so impressive last night. You know, what can you do in the big stage and the big moments and everything else, and that's what makes college sports so great, and he did it last night. Came in in the second half cold when, you know, you don't really expect – someone like that to lead you to a national championship game. I know Cardell Jones did it a few years ago at Ohio State, but this is completely different. Half, comes in at halftime in the national championship game and does it. Absolutely unbelievable performance. He gets the win. Evan, once you're done. Yeah, so my dud is uh, going with Alabama. Um, not the team, but uh, Makai Brown, he tried to fight a coach on the sidelines. I don't really know what all went down there, but all I know is, is he was trying to uh, he was trying to attack a coach and teammates pulled him back and all that kind of stuff. But um he went back in the game later, made a big hit on special teams. So I guess, like amidst all the jokes, he probably isn't getting kicked off the team and won't be on Last Chance U. But it would have been pretty cool if he was, because <laughs> I could have been able to say, like I saw on TV, why he ended up at Last Chance <laughs> U. That'd have been kind of cool. But um, but no, I mean, I don't know. I guess everybody kind of has their their outbursts at times. It happens. It's life. Um, hopefully, he just cleans it up. My dud is the Kansas City Chiefs, and it goes back further than just the playoff game. It goes back to the beginning of the season. They were a team that beat the Patriots. They started off the season so hot from there, like the team was going to win. They started to falter, and then when they get to the playoffs and they have a chance to redeem themselves and make the regular season be forgotten, they go out and blow a game to Tennessee again when they were up by double digits in the second half. It's the second time this year they've allowed Tennessee to come back in Arrowhead Stadium and get that win. I think that that's that's one of the toughest places to play in the NFL. It mm-hmm. says that much about Marcus Mariota. I mean, that touchdown that he had, I don't know if you saw it. That should be in my The one where he threw it to where himself? Threw it to himself. That is probably <laughs> yep. the best play I've ever seen. I mean, from a quarterback in a single play, that was absolutely unbelievable. If he, if he was still playing fantasy football, everybody would absolutely love him because that's a that's a throwing and a receiving touchdown in the same play. But 
nevertheless, just a dud performance from uh, from Kansas City. You, you simply can't have that. So that'll wrap up our show this week. Follow us on CM Life Sports. We'll keep you guys updated. Um, for Evan, I am Andy, and we will talk to you guys next time.